0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to West Irwin. Uh, as always, we're excited that you're here. Thank you for coming to join us. Uh, for those joining us online, hey, uh, we're, we're glad that you're joining us. Uh, we're excited to get this morning going. So, um, if you would, it's the time. I'm, I'm getting in the routine. Hope y'all are getting in the routine so that if I ever forget, y'all will think, he's forgetting something. Attendance cards. Um, So let's use this time. Go ahead and fill out attendance card. We'll have some of our young guys come around here in a little bit to pick them up. Um, So, attendance card, check. Uh, We've got a prayer request. Um, Keith Harris. Keith Harris, uh, husband of Sheila Harris. Keith was taken to the uh, emergency room on Wednesday, and he's now in the heart hospital, room uh, 611. Uh, Keith... Tested positive for pneumonia, uh, which caused an infection, which in turn uh, is causing fluid around his lungs and heart. Um, He's currently on medication to drain off the fluid, uh, and he's going to have an echocardiogram done either today or tomorrow. Um, So with all that said, let's keep Keith Harris in our prayers. Um, Pray for healing for him and answers uh, from the doctors. So announcements for upcoming events. Um, I've been asked to remind you all about a Ladies' Inspiration Day. Ladies' Inspiration Day. Now, this is one of those um, events that sounds really exciting to me. I'm sadly excluded from it. Um, I can't go to Young at Heart, can't go to the Ladies' Inspiration Day. Um, but it is going to be a great time. And for all you ladies here at West Erwin, um, we hope that you'll join. That will be Saturday, February 25th. Um, there will be ladies of all different ages there. There's going to be a luncheon and four different speakers from here at West Irwin. Uh So that's Saturday, February 25th. And there is a sign-up sheet out on the main table. I checked this morning, and it's already filling up super fast. And so um, on your way out, you can just sign up there. They need a headcount for a luncheon and just what to expect. And if you have any more questions about that, um, talk to Carolyn Philpott. She's the, the lady with the answers. Um, This evening we're going to have classes as usual. So there's going to be the chapel class and then singing class. And um, I want to invite uh, youth families, uh, youth students uh, to go to the singing class this evening. And we'll go and sing with our brothers and sisters. I think that's all I've got. So if you would, I'll ask you to stand. We're going to read a scripture and get this thing going. Reading from Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest.
1: Good morning.
2: Am I on? There we go. Now I hear myself. Everyone doing okay today? It's a beautiful Lord's Day, I can tell you. Absolutely beautiful. As we think about today, I want to... We're going to be talking a lot about the battle and the struggles that we have each and every day. So let's be, th- be thinking about that as we sing our songs today.
1: Soldiers of Christ arise in the, the children of strong the...
3: Been, uh, praying that we could find the right person to take a position as office coordinator. Pat Cannette was living in the DFW area. She's a former member here, and she'd been praying that she could find the right job in Tyler, Texas. Prayers were answered. Pat came and with us now, and uh, I told you, Pat, I got you, you gotta stand so everybody can look at you. You gotta stand up. There's Pat right there. I want, uh, she's the daughter of Danny and Sue Skipper. Y'all all get to meet her, and next Sunday we'll have a test, and you have to know everybody's name. So that's uh, that'll be fun. Pat, glad you're home. Glad you're home. I think everyone realizes that, but I want to emphasize that. We have a, we have a great team that uh, is here at West Urban. It takes a team. It's a huge facility. We have 85,000 square feet. Can you imagine? That's a, that's a big complex. And we have a great team doing many, many jobs. We have uh, cleaning is uh, Salvador, Bill White, and Odie and Dolores and Toby. They keep our building clean. Uh, We have uh, lots of stuff that breaks. I think 50 air conditioners and other things. And Cal takes care of all of that. He fixes everything from from IT to AC. So uh, it's amazing. And uh, keeps me humble on the golf course. Uh, Mrs. Francis over 50 years, over 50 years. She takes care of all of us and keeps up with us, amazing. Pat's now going to coordinate for us at our office and Donnie Cook is such a great teacher of our children and, and then she'll promote the kids to a uh, Tucker, the bigger kids and Marge and I are now attending that class and Tucker just does a great job with, the, with, our, with our teams. Then we have uh, Davy, who takes care of uh, all of our downtown neighbors and much, much more. Israel's teaching our Hispanic-speaking people here in this area about the gospel. Just to let you know that in February and again in April, we'll be having a uh, children's youth uh, rally for the Hispanic-speaking people. There will be hundreds of of kids and their parents here at this facility, one weekend in February and one weekend in April. We're so excited about that. There's going to be a, a lot of people. Bill is uh, always here to teach us the word and make sure we know the truth. And Eric is here making sure that we're all connected. We're so thankful for for all of them. And you know, in addition to that, we have. Almost 20 security people taking, keeping us safe. 16 deacons using their gifts and talents to serve the Lord. And, and hundreds of volunteers teaching, cooking, giving food, clothes, and more. That's what makes this a wonderful church. So today, after service, why don't you find a team member and tell them thank you. Thank you for all they do. To help this make the best church we can. If it's a security team, you might not want to hug them. Just, uh, just, just thank them. Let's go together in prayer for, for our church, for our nation, and our people. Lord, we, just, uh, we, come, we come to give you thanks for our blessings as we begin a new year. We have so many so many individuals and family, and, and Father, we just want to pray also for this church. Bless it, Father, and help us to be all that we can be in service to you. And Lord, we want to pray for, for our nation, a country built in Christian values and principal ideals, uh, a nation that motto is, uh, in God we trust. But, Lord, uh, our nation is failing. Our moral standards have been corrupted. Our Christian values are being compromised. I'm sorry. Forgive us. We pray our country will repent and our land will return to God's law and not depend upon government interpretation from right and wrong. For, Lord, we know the truth. We know the truth. And we pray for a revival, a revival to begin this country and spread the worldwide. that Christ will love and dominate our actions, loving one another will, will be our focus, a Christian nation can be revived as we await, as we await the coming of the perfect heavenly home. A perfect law of love of govern of governess. But until then, keep Jesus in our heart and lives as we as we watch and wait. Father, we uh, we have those that are sick in our church, and we know that you already know them. But uh, Father, it's always good for us to mention their names to you. It helps us. We pray for. Keith Harris and Sheila, just bless them and Father. I want to pray for the Eli, a little Eli and a, and Father, just be with that whole family. It's what a what an ordeal they've been through and uh, they need uh, they need your help. We want to pray for Riley and Camille and Billy Terrell. We want to pray for the, Gra- the Glass family that uh, they've had many difficult problems and uh, Phyllis Davis. Pray for our brother Jack Paul and, and uh, Father we just ask that you would provide them healing and, and all the things that they need now. And Father we know of others we have others in our hearts right now that we're thinking about We just pray that you'll uh, grant them peace and healing and give them the things they need. And Father, give them the faith so large that they will always keep hope alive. Lord, Lord, bless this church in this new year. May West Irwin be a light to the lost. May we be a comfort to the sick and to the dying may we provide strength for the weak and weary and may we bring your hope to all we love you so much thank you thank you for jesus thank you for his perfect life and his perfect love and it's in his name we pray
2: amen As we focus our hearts and our minds during the Lord's Supper, I ask that you join me in singing an absolutely beautiful song, asking him to surround us.
1: As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord.
4: There's a note here. It says, please speak into Mike. Thanks. Glad I know I got some help. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you folks here, especially if you're visiting with us. Uh, if you're a visitor, just so you'll know, there's no limit on the amount of times you can come see us, so come on back anytime you want not last Friday but a week ago last Friday I had to go to a meeting in Dallas with some colleagues to talk about insurance is what I do and uh, you know during the course of the day we talked about new products we could offer marketing this that the other uh, it's a perfect cure for insomnia if you're ever needing it but uh, during lunch they brought in some food for us we sat down and I was sitting with couple of other agents. One lady is, uh, her name's Stacy. Uh, she lives out in uh, uh, the other side of Fort Worth. Uh, I can't remember the, oh, Weatherford. Weatherford's where it is, yeah. And the other guy's a fellow named Bill Lovell. He lives up in Oklahoma City. And as we got to talking, we all figured out that it's not an accident or a circumstance that we're in the business. We all got there for whatever reason or another and for me, I just, I just wanted to work for myself, you know, but we all get there, we all take a different path, but it ends up the same way. And on the way back to Tyler, I got to thinking, and it's no accident, it's no circumstance that we're all here right now. At one point or another, thanks to some people that were involved in our life, thanks to some things that may have happened, thanks to the fact that we just started to question what we've been taught, which is the path I took, we ended up here. It's not an accident. It's not a circumstance. You're here because at one point or another in your life, you chose to do what you thought was right. You wanted to follow the Bible. You wanted to follow the Lord. It is not an accident, nor is it a circumstance that Jesus Christ went to the cross for my sins and yours. He knew from the minute he was born that was his, that's that's where he was going to end up. He could have walked away from it anytime, just like you and I could walk away from the church. But Jesus chose to stay the course. And just like being a Christian in today's New Testament church, it's not easy. But what Jesus Christ did for you and for me was a whole lot harder than anything we'll ever go through, or at least that's what I hope. Every Lord's Day we're commanded by the Bible to partake of these emblems, this fruit of the vine, this this bread which symbolizes body and blood to remember Him. And we do this because we love Him, because we respect Him, and we're thankful for what He did for all of us. So with that in mind, brethren, let's 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 now pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we come before your throne, we thank you so much as always for the church, for your holy word. We thank you for our family. We thank you for our good health. But above all, we we thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. We pray, Father, that as we partake of this this loaf, which represents his body, that we do so in a manner that you find acceptable and well-pleasing. Again, Father, we know as always that uh, Jesus could have walked away from that horrible death, the suffering, but he chose to do it because of his love for all of us. And Father, as we partake, again, may we do it in a manner that you find acceptable. And these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
1: As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Let us pray.
4: Just a brief aside here, folks. I had a guy that, uh, this was about a year ago when this happened. He said, why do you Church of Christers, that's what he called us, why do you Church of Christers not have instrumental music? Well, if you were sitting up here where I was just sitting and you could hear what you guys sounded like, you'd understand why. We don't have instrumental music because we don't need it. We got the voice, that is. we got the only instrument that is created by God and that's the human voice now that I got that out of the way (laughs) every Lord's Day we're asked to give back to the Lord some of the blessings that he gives to us Uh, Wade Weathers was up here several weeks ago talking about our special contribution and how in the Old Testament you were asked to tithe give 10% of what you earn back to the Lord And I'm not here to tell you how much to give or not to give or whatever. But Wade made this point. He's exactly right. Jesus paid it all. Okay? He did not live the life of luxury that we live today. He didn't have a smartphone. Didn't have a nice, soft, warm, comfy bed to lay in. Probably didn't know where his next meal was coming from. And he walked pretty much everywhere he went, I would bet you. But Jesus gave it all. He gave everything he had, including his very life, his human existence, so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. So with this in mind, folks, let's all be cheerful in our giving. Let's be generous. I found personally that when I'm generous, when I give, I'm just a happier person. So with that in mind, folks, let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you so much for the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. We thank you, Father, for our homes, our families. We thank you for the town we live in, the state, our wonderful country. Uh, We ask that you be with those who are ill or troubled or bereaved. We ask that you be with all of those, Father, that uh, are just lonely or sad for whatever reason. But, Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you bestowed upon us, for the fact that we're still here, we're alive, and we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the spiritual blessings that we have through him. And as we give back to you, Father, may we do so with a happy heart. And, Father, again, we thank you so much for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
2: Well, it's that time, if you would please be joining me in standing, and for those of our young people that are be going to their BLAST programs, we ask that you help guide them along the way, and our other young men will be coming around and picking up your attendance cards, so please make sure you've turned those in and passed them into the inside aisle. In heavenly armor will
1: enter the land, the battle belongs to the Lord, no weapon that
5: a couple of uh, housekeeping things. Welcome, Pat. As if you haven't been embarrassed enough, let me embarrass you some more. I won't ask you to stand this time, but we're so glad to have you. Uh, Pat has been here a whole week and is here in church to confirm that, yes, she's staying, (laughs) even after being around us in the office for a whole week. Uh, Pat has already hit the ground running. She's done some marvelous things, building relationships and uh, seeking how to do her job and do it well. And we're very, very impressed already. And we are thankful that the Lord brought you to us. And uh, we've loved the uh, Danny and Sue and their family for so long and now have even more reasons to love them. And so we love you, Pat. And we're very glad, very glad um, to have you. Uh, and we have some friends with us today. Uh, Joyce is not feeling well and is unable to be here. But Sam and Jane Hickam, I are, I've been sitting with them. Uh, are here, and also some friends of theirs from Arlington, Jim and Chris, Uh, they all watch us online every Sunday. And it was so great because they've already seen some familiar faces, and uh, Sam has pointed out some folks and said, I I know him, I know him, he does a really good job on the Lord's Supper and different things like that. And so uh, glad to have you in person, glad to have all of you who are worshiping with us online, just a great reminder uh, for us of how important uh, that is. And, uh, and so, Bill Paschal, I had to smile a bit when you said, it says up here, speak into the mic. <laughs> they love that, by the way. Uh, you know, everyone online loves it, uh, if worship leaders will speak into the mic. And I always tell them when they say, no, no, you know, I don't need to do that, I have a good voice. And I say, well, if you really don't care that everyone hears what you have to say, then don't worry about it. But if it's important, what you're saying, <laughs> and you would like for everyone to hear that's here and there, um, then it would probably be a good thing uh, to do that. No matter how great and wonderful and high-tech our sound system is, right, John, if they don't speak into the mic, it doesn't matter. And so we try to do that. We remind each other about that. And I appreciate, Bill, uh, you mentioning that uh, as well. Uh, To be in the world but not of the world is a constant battle. We've talked about soldiers of Christ arise. We've sung about that. We're going to be uh, mentioning that passage of Scripture from Ephesians 6 later on in the lesson. We just sang the song, the wonderful song, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And it's an affirmation of two things. Number one, the battle belongs to the Lord. But number two, we're still in the battle. We're still in the battle. I appreciate what our shepherd Galen Siegler said as he led us in prayer earlier, acknowledging the difficulty of living in this world. You know, I I think as you look at things culturally, um, as Galen shared several years ago, from a cultural perspective, it wasn't quite as difficult to uphold biblical Christian values. Because it seemed like, even though it was imperfect, and I get that, and it wasn't good for everybody, I get that too, but... For the most part, generally speaking, if you held to biblical Christian values in our country, your life was uh, okay. Now, that's more of a challenge because those values are being challenged more and more all the time. And where we see that especially is in the lives of our young adults, our young families, our teens, and our children. They're facing things that you and I who are a little bit older would have never dreamed of having to face. Nor would we have dreamed even that there would come a day when our children and grandchildren would face those things. And yet, here we are. And so we recognize that this is a battle. And we are to be in the world but not of the world. We are to be in the battle but maintain those values that we have through Jesus Christ. And occasionally, the the culture around us, will exhibit hope and uh, a semblance of acknowledging those traditional biblical Christian values. We saw that recently, as Tucker shared a while back, uh, when uh, the, the young man was injured and almost died on the football field at an NFL game, and that got huge publicity. And, and so there was a lot that was said about that. Interestingly enough... Tony Dungy, who is an NFL coach, Hall of Fame coach, and a former player, um, uh, won the Super Bowl, I think, with uh, the Colts, and, um, and he spoke at this weekend's March for Life, which is a pro-life gathering that happens every year on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, for the first time since the Supreme Court had their decision in the Dobbs case a while back, and, and he spoke about that. He mentioned that incident, even. And he spoke about that call of the sanctity of human life, all human life, uh, beginning in the womb. And Coach Dungy is a a wonderful man. You've heard me quote him many times from his incredible daily devotional book, specifically for men, but for anyone, uh, really. And um, And yet now he's getting all kinds of backlash, because he said those things publicly. He's a public figure. And so now he's being attacked from different uh, circles. In spite of everything he's done, they've adopted several kids. Tony and Lauren Dungy have. And so if you talk about someone who's not just talking the talk but walking the walk, he's walked the walk a lot longer than most anybody ever heard his name. And yet here we are. Well, that's, that's the culture that we're in right now. and We'll talk a little bit more about that. But just the fact that we have a Sanctity of Life Sunday, which is today. A March up for Life, which was this past weekend. Uh, a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, which was last weekend. To remind us of how important it is, it is for us to remember that everyone is created in the image of God. Whatever their race. And they should be treated accordingly. Those are, those are good things. Even in a culture that strives to... Move away from some of those good things. Both of those topics, by the way, are going to be included in this series a little bit later on down the line. Questions about racism and abortion and others coming up. In two weeks, we'll talk about sexual immorality and sexual morality. I think it's important for us to see not just the thou shalt not part of that, but God's vision for human sexuality and the wonderful relationship between husband and wife that'll be in 2 weeks. Next week Eric's going to be sharing with us about how we get our identity. Do you do you follow your heart? Do you do whatever you want or do you live according to the will of God? We are to be in the world but not of the world. And that is a constant battle. So some things about that this, uh, this morning. First of all, be aware of the spiritual battle surrounding you. And the blank there is spiritual. Be aware of the spiritual battle surrounding you. This is a spiritual battle. Jesus said as he was standing uh, uh, being questioned by Governor Pilate. He made it very clear. My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus established a spiritual battle. Kingdom. It transcends all human boundaries. And so, because the kingdom is not of this world but is a spiritual kingdom, the battle is also a spiritual battle. And so, it looks a bit different, perhaps, than what others' battles might see. Got some scriptures listed there from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapters 1, 3, and 6. And those are three instances, stories, especially the last two that you're very familiar with. The first one, maybe not quite as much, but it's so significant. I believe Davy Carter, in our uh, recent summer series a while back, spoke about uh, the book of Daniel and some of these uh, stories. But in Daniel chapter 1, it starts out perhaps maybe about 20 years or so before uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes and the walls of Jerusalem are breached and the temple is destroyed and the majority of the population is carried away to Babylon into captivity. But before that, there had been two other uh, strains of groups that had gone into captivity, into exile. And the first one included Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were the top of the top. I mean, the first time the best of the best was taken. And that included Daniel and his three friends. And so when they get to Babylon, Daniel 1 says that one of the uh, administrators for the king goes to this group of, of men that had been brought. And the king tells him, okay, I want you to groom these men, take care of them, feed them, uh, teach them all of our ways. And then in three years, I'm going to put them into the king's service. And so this man went and he told this group that and they began to bring out all of the best of the best food and drink and everything from, from Babylon. And Daniel and his three friends said, nope, we're not eating it. Well, this made that guy very nervous because he knew his head would roll if they didn't look good in three years. And Daniel, tells, uh, Daniel and his friends say this, look, here's the deal. We're not going to eat your food. We're not going to drink your drinks. But try this out. For 10 days, let us just eat vegetables and drink water. And then after that 10 days, you come back and you take a look at us and see how we look. And see how we feel. And see what kind of condition we're in physically. And so he said, okay, 10 days. You got 10 days. So when he came back in 10 days, you know what happened, right? He looked at them and he said, wow, you guys are way better than all these men that I've been feeding the best of the king's menu So he said, okay, you got me because I'm about results. I don't care what you eat, but if it's going to bring this kind of result, then I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Well, they drew a line. We're not going there. In chapter 3, of course, is that story of the big 90-foot-tall statue that... Uh, king nebuchadnezzar builds and and when it's time for the dedication he has this law that says everyone when you hear the celebration begin everyone is to bow down and worship this statue and shadrach Meshach, and abednego said nope not going to do it sorry we worship god alone we don't bow before anyone else only god the creator of the universe well, this infuriated King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, don't you know that if you, if you don't do this, we're going to throw you into this fiery, fiery furnace, this burning oven? And they have this great statement in chapter 3 of Daniel where they say, our God is able to save us from that fiery furnace. But even if he chooses not to, we're not going to disobey him. We're not going to go against his word. We're not going to worship your statue. And if it means death, then we die. Well, this infuriated the king even more. And so he had them uh, heat up the fiery, fiery furnace even hotter. <laughs> and when the men threw them into the furnace, they, the oven, they, the men that threw them in were killed by the heat. And then the king looked in there and there were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and some other kind of vision. Perfectly fine. So he tells them to turn it off. They pull them out and they, their garments don't even smell like smoke. As I've said before, when we used to have smoking sections in restaurants, if Joyce and I would walk through the smoking section, we would smell like smoke the rest of the day until we burned those clothes. And yet they were in there and didn't even have the scent of heat or smoke. Well, in chapter 6 is that story, very familiar story. One of Joyce's earliest memories is of her grandfather pulling out the big family Bible and opening it up to the story of the Old Testament. No, It was Daniel in the lion's den and seeing the big picture there. Do you remember those? Telling that story, reading that story. And you know why Daniel ended up in the lion's den to begin with? Because he had jealous friends. They were also servants of the king and they went to the king and they they kept trying to plot against Daniel because he was so much favored by the king and so good at what he did. And they finally came to the conclusion, you know, we're never going to find anything to accuse this guy of unless it relates to his God. And so they came up with this plan that for a certain amount of time, no one was to worship any other God or image except for the king. And they took that to the king and the king said, oh, I love that. (laughs) And so they did, and you know what Daniel, the first thing Daniel did, what they said was, you can't pray to any other God, any other image, only the king. You know what Daniel did? The first thing he did when he read that edict, he went home, and he opened his windows toward Jerusalem, and he knelt down, and he prayed, and they said, gotcha. So they arrested him, and they took him to the king, and they put him in the lion's den, and as you know, Daniel survived. Well, it's a spiritual battle that we're in. Sarah Barrett in her book says, some people might ask why the big deal over something as simple as food for Daniel and his friends. But it was more than just dietary options. It was about taking a stand and drawing a line. It was about perhaps where this would lead, but also about perhaps how it violated some of the Old Testament teaching about what you can and can't eat, clean and unclean foods. They couldn't help that they were in Babylon, but they refused to be of Babylon. We're to be in the world, but not of the world, and that's a constant battle, and it's a spiritual battle. Well, let's consider a few battlegrounds in which we fight this battle. Uh, identity. One of the, things, the first things, one of the first things that they did in Babylon was take all four of them and change their names. <laughs> To more Babylonian sounding names. Another thing was loyalty. Worshipping God or worshiping an image of gold. In spite of the threat. Thoughts and ideas that that happened there. The ability and practice of thinking and evaluating. They had to consider not only what they were being told to do. And pressured to do to conform in their culture. But they were also asking about what are the consequences of that. How does God think about that? Habits and lifestyles. Daniel's prayer life was threatened. He could have said, you know, I, I I can just pray to myself for a while. I don't have to pray publicly. We know that. But for Daniel, it meant too much for him to not continue his practice of publicly praying. And, of course, there are spiritual forces at work. The rest of the book of Daniel has to do with all of those incredible visions that he had so those are some of the battlegrounds there are many more how about our defense and counterattack against those against those forces and again they're spiritual and they come from ephesians 6 and it's the panoply the full armor of god you know that passage right that talks about things like the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith the shoes that are fitted on the soldier to be able to carry us to wherever we need to go with the gospel of peace, all of those. And we realize that, and, and we realize that there are, there are two of those that are specifically talking about the Word of God, the belt of truth that kind of ties everything together and keeps it in place, and the only offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. You get the feeling that God's word is kind of significant in our armor and in this battle. Prayer is listed there in Ephesians 6. We recognize that our minds and our ability to think and to consider. I tell our young people, just because you're a Christian, don't check your brain at the door, okay? It's okay to still think about things and consider things and wonder if what you're hearing is true. And, and is it consistent with God's will? That's what we should all do. Peter tells us that Satan is walking about like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, someone to eat up. So we have to be ready. And one of the things that the author mentions is drawn lines. She says this, Daniel and his friends weren't immediately confronted with fiery furnaces and lion's dens when they arrived in Babylon. Their faithfulness grew with their daily decisions, which prepared them for the battles to come. You don't get to the point of staring boldly at the face of death if you cower at the thought of discomfort, ridicule, or people's opinions. And so I have to ask us today, where are we in that? How hard and how much pressure does the world have to put on us for us to turn our backs on the word and will of God and give in and conform to the culture Rather than conforming and being transformed by the word of God. Because I can tell you, if we're unable to remain faithful with a little pressure, a little intimidation, possibly even a little loss or threat. What are we going to do if they come to us and say, you can't follow this book anymore because this book is bigoted and unfair and it is, uh, it is against the law. It's that way in some countries. We hope and pray that it will never be that way here. But if it ever does, where will we choose? Well, I think that depends on those lines that we draw as we go. Uh, Sam and Jane and their daughter, uh, Lisa, we were very close to them as we were raising our daughters, especially our older ones, uh, about the same age as Lisa, together in Arlington, Texas in the 80s and 90s. And we were talking about it in class because there there was a certain television show on when our kids, our girls were little... And it was, it was very funny, it was animated, it was uh, very successful, and, um, but it was hugely disrespectful. It was children that were very disrespectful, especially one main character in particular. And he treated his parents horribly, teachers horribly, law and for everything, was exactly teaching our children not to do this, except it was hilarious and funny and everybody wanted to. Do you remember who that guy was? Bart Simpson. Right. And so Joyce and I made the decision when our girls were little. This is going to sound so silly to you guys. Joyce and I made the decision when our girls were little that we would not allow them to watch The Simpsons. And you compare that with the shows today, right? But we felt like, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to watch that. They don't have to listen to that. They don't have to learn that. We'll draw a line here. And, of course, they said, oh, that's okay, Father. We love to obey you. (laughs) Our girls were kids just like everybody else's, And so we constantly got hit with, Dad, you just don't know how much I could be doing. You don't know how my friends talk and how disrespectful and the language that they use. I could be doing so much worse than I am now. And I would say, Amy, uh, I mean, child, um... I I get that, and I'm thankful that you're not that way, and and I'm so proud of you for that. But this is still going to be the standard in our house. We drew a line. It takes bold faith to be faithful in the circumstances that you're in. Bill said, we're here today not by circumstance, not by chance, But because of the will of God. And he has a purpose in everything he does. And he has a purpose in exactly where he sent you at this moment in your life. And it may be a hugely difficult situation. There may be a very hard boss that you're up against. There may be a family member that's so hard. There may be friends at school that you're really fighting a battle with. Because you want to be accepted. And yet that peer pressure to conform to the values of the world is so strong. And those worldly values are becoming more and more acceptable. How do you do that? You do that with bold faith. You do that by trusting and obeying. Be aware of the spiritual battle. Secondly, don't buy the lies of a post-truth world. I shared this term in the summer when we were going through a series on the Ten Commandments that I titled The Ten Questions. And post-truth is a 2016 Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year. They defined it as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Objective facts aren't aren't really the final question. The question is, how do you feel about it? it? How do you feel about it emotionally? And that is what determines right and wrong, not truth. Another aspect of the post-truth world, a post-truth environment exists when people are directed by subjective feelings rather than objective facts. Suzanne Brawley's mentioned that in our class. Feelings, not facts. It's a great way to remember it. A post-truth world is not one in which truth has ceased to exist, but one in which truth has ceased to matter. You see, truth still exists whether people acknowledge it or not. God is still God. He is still the creator. The word of God, the Bible is his word, whether people accept it or not. And it's not that truth has ceased to exist. It's just for many in our culture today, it doesn't matter what's true. What matters is how I feel. Does it make me happy? And not just happy long term, but happy at this moment in my life. It's a very selfish outlook. So a few things about this post-truth world. First of all, it's objective versus subjective truth. And that started in the garden, right? Do you remember Jesus said, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden you cannot eat? And when they told Satan that that's what God said, he said, you will not surely die. Even though God said, you will surely die, Satan said, you will not, you'll just be like him. Objective versus subjective truth. In the book there's an author quoted who has the term a culture of confusion. Is that not a great way to describe us today? A culture of confusion. Jesus came revealing truth and grace. And secondly tolerance. And tolerance is one of those dollar 298 words that it depends on how you're using it. <laughs> because some people's view of tolerance is not very tolerant. Tolerance means even in disagreement, you are tolerant of each other. You recognize the disagreement, you acknowledge it. It could even affect your relationship, but you still practice tolerance. Why? Because we live in a free country. But that's not the kind of tolerance that we hear today. The kind of tolerance that we hear today is that you are required to agree with me and affirm what I believe and what I value. And that's not tolerance. Tolerance. That is calling someone into uh, agreement of things that may not very well be true. And again, you think of people like Coach Tony Dungy and Tim Tebow and others who in this age of tolerance are not tolerated at all because their values are different from the values the culture is trying to get everyone to conform to. And so through public pressure, they are forced or attempted to be forced to get in line. And it takes a lot of strength and a lot of will not to do that. A few sources of post-truth. First of all, the world. We were with uh, several of our members at lunch the other day, and um, Melissa Martz, we were at a Chinese food restaurant, and Melissa's fortune cookie had this message on it. Quote, prudence keeps life safe, but does not often make it happy. Now, does anybody but me have a problem with that? (laughs) basically what they're telling you is throw out the whole book of proverbs because prudence really doesn't make you happy what makes you happy is to do whatever you want whether it's wise or foolish whether it's smart whether it's true whether it's right or wrong prudence doesn't make you happy doing what you want what you feel that makes you happy that's the world's view and then the church i think if we distort avoid or dilute god's word we become a source of post-truth. if We don't go by Scripture. Or if we vilify those with whom we disagree, or even our enemies, then we are a source of post-truth. Because that's, far, that's exactly the opposite of not only what Jesus taught, but what He did. And told us, love your enemies. Even love and pray for those who persecute you. And we ourselves, we must remember that we are not above taking on a post-truth mindset or feeling. That we ourselves and our understanding and opinions are the standard of truth. Mine is right. I love Psalm 12 here and I was reading this in our daily devotional that I use on my Facebook page and I read every day. And it's from Timothy and Kathy Keller on the songs of Jesus. Looking at the Psalms through, through the eyes of Christ in a sense. And they quote Psalm 12 verse 1. And this has become one of my favorite quotes of the moment. Help Lord for no one is faithful anymore. And I love this part. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. <laughs> I love that. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. And it's that Elijah syndrome from 1 Kings 19 when he said to Queen Jezebel has killed all the prophets and now she's after me too and there's nobody left but me. The psalmist says, people who are loyal to God have vanished from the human race. (laughs) That's a bit of an overstatement. And God comes to Elijah and he tells him, oh, I've still got 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the false god Baal. You hang in there with me, Elijah. Well, the source of truth is, of course, the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also prayed, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So as we begin to close, instead of trying to escape their new life in Babylon, Daniel and his friends sought to live a faithful life in Babylon. You see, Jesus has said, I'm sending you into the world just as the Father sent me into the world. And we don't get to call what the world looks like. The world has always been the world. It's always going to be the world. Sometimes it's better than at other times. But that's the world that Jesus has sent you into. And he's done that, as Bill said, not by accident at all. He's put you right where he wants you to be so that you can be the influence for him that he needs them to see. And that's you. And that's me. That's the way Daniel and his friends looked at it. We must do the same in our Babylon. And I believe that's the purpose of this series to help us be able to do that well. Just as he was then, our God is able. Our God is able. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the king in Daniel 3. They said, look, our God is able to save us from this fiery, fiery furnace, but even if he does not, we're not going to worship anything but him. And I want you to know today that whatever you're facing, whatever struggle you have, however the world is seeking to squeeze you into its mold, our God is able. He is able to protect you. He is able to keep you safe. But he calls on each one of us to trust and obey. And if we can help you do that today, come as we stand, sing this great song together. When we walk with the Lord.
2: really well with this. Make it count. Leave a mark. Build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams. Chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light when it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus... Is the only name to remember.
1: Thy word is a lamp to my feet feet and a lie.
4: to make an announcement before Grant uh, leads us in a closing prayer uh, it's not an emergency but as soon as he ends his prayer we would ask that the congregation exit the property quicker than normal we have a, a small gas leak in our heating and air conditioning uh, so yeah it, it's it's not a, a panic situation but uh After the prayer, if you can do your visiting as you're moving out of the building, we'd appreciate it. Grant.
0: Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day and this time that we have to come and worship you. Uh, Please take what we've learned here today and help us apply it to our lives. Uh, Thank you for this time that we get to fellowship with one another and uh, let us carry that into this next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.